But in light of this pandemic, in light of what's going on, the gift that we have from God is that we can use this as a space for Sabbath. We can use this for a space of contemplative uh, spiritual formation. Hey, welcome to the Forge America Missional Podcast. We're glad you're here to join us this week. Um, I'm here with Alan Bradford in Tennessee. How you doing, Alan? Doing good. Glad to be with you guys. Terry Ishii is with us from Austin, Texas. What's up, Terry? Yeah, yeah I'm excited. Yeah, great, great to have everyone with us. This is um, this is a very strange week to have a podcast, and uh, we're taking a break from some of the interviews that we had planned uh, we're still gonna roll those out uh, when appropriate but like uh, like the rest of the country we are all dealing with something that was very unexpected which was this COVID-19 or coronavirus uh, pandemic and um, it's kind of turned the the culture and the society upside down a little bit and um, and it's also affecting uh, the church and um, brings in a lot of questions about how we are the church, how we're Jesus people, and especially for us as missional practitioners, how we respond in times like this. So we just thought that we would, uh, instead of having an interview, uh, just have a conversation uh, between the three of us and what we're uh, processing and kind of hearing in three different parts of the country. Um, and how we're dealing with this personally as well, and that that might inform or help you uh, kind of navigate some of this as well. So um, I think we'll, you know, before we get to some macro conversations, uh, we obviously want to talk about like how do missional people lean into this. Um, I just, I w I'd like to hear from the three of you guys because we are in three different parts of the country. I'm in Colorado Springs. Alan, you're in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, way over east, and then Terry, you're south of us uh, down in Austin, and uh, just kind of hear from you personally, like um, what's happening in your your city, um, your community, with your family, how are you guys kind of dealing with this on a personal level? Yeah, so it's it's been pretty surreal here. Um, we, you know, we know that this is not the the normal. Uh, so we're striving for the new normal. Uh, but just like uh, Alan in Knoxville, it, this past week's been spring break. And so for us, the shutdown happened last Friday. So it was the Friday leading into spring break. And so for the last week, and we're technically still on spring break, I guess, until Monday, we've just, we've just kind of, you know, We've done a couple things here and there, um, you know, trying to to make sure that our uh, neighbors are, are in good space. Uh, my in-laws live around the corner. And so we've been uh, making sure that they're all right. They're completely locked down. Um, my mother-in-law has a Parkinson's disease uh, and, and fairly along uh, in that uh, battle. And so uh if you, if you for you guys that don't know much about parkinson's uh it is uh it, it really is a compromised immune system thing and so she can't be anywhere near anything keith can't go out because the the odds of him grabbing something and bringing it back uh is high uh but also um well i think a lot of people don't realize about parkinson's is that it can cause paranoia 
And my mother-in-law is really, she's, she's really struggling with this. And so that has an impact on us. And so making sure that uh, Bethany, my, my daughter, uh, does some phone calls just to lift her spirits and uh, kind of do that. And so we, we get out and try to do the shopping for them. And so they don't have to take that. So uh, yeah. And then all along that still working with church leaders in the area, trying to help them navigate uh, some of this because I think this is probably going to be our new normal for a while. So that's what that's what it's been like around here. I'm sure Monday rolls around and we'll figure out a way for my daughter to be a little bit more uh, productive. My wife's a teacher, and so they're having to figure out what that's going to look like. So a lot of uncertainty, a lot of scatteredness, and so that would that definitely represents the last week. What what is uh, what does Austin feel like? I mean, it, I know it always feels weird, which it, you guys wear like a badge of honor, but you know, yeah. that it's a, I've been there a few times and love it. I mean, it's like a culture of, you know, food trucks and restaurants and, you know, socializing outside and that kind of stuff. So what, what is all that feeling like? Yeah. So, um, it, you know, it's, it's funny. We read stories about how other cities feel that real lockdown vibe. Uh, we don't feel that here at all. Like I'm looking out my window right now and I just, I see handful of people just walking in the dog park. You know, we have a dog park that backs up to the back of the house and um, you go out and people are still, you know, they're still running and biking the hiking trails. And Austin is, a, is very much an outdoor city. So yeah. people are still taking advantage of that, even though it's 49 degrees this morning. Um, but still people are out and about um, restaurants and coffee shops. They're still trying to hustle and, and do their best to do online orders. And um, I saw reports of people getting takeout and then going to a park. And so yeah. picnicking and doing things like that. Um, so people are still very much out and about. Um, so it's a little bit of, you know, Texas has a little bit of that. We're the Republic. We're not a state. Yeah. You know, Texas, we're the Republic of Texas. So we're going to do what we want to do. Nothing's going to uh, take us down. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but also we have Austin has a different flair than the rest of the state when it comes to culture and, and those sorts of things. Austin seems to be a very uh, city that, that's big on compassion. So we, we are mindful and we, we don't want to be jerks about it. Uh, so we're trying to navigate that. And so uh, I was out yesterday and just, you know, you, you see people and there aren't a ton of people who are wanting to engage in conversation, but man, you can see it in their eyes. And so just smiling, you know, keeping the distance, but smiling and, you know, saying kind of the, the good Texas head nod and something like yeah. that. It goes a long way. So aren't you that, supposed that's to tip your hat. Aren't you supposed to like <laughs> grab the front of your hat and tip that's, your hat? That's right. Yep. Yeah. Just give them a little hat tip. Yeah. Hey, Alan, what about you out in uh, Tennessee? How's your, your family personally? And then kind of what is, what is Knoxville feeling like right now? Yeah. So for, for me, I live uh, out here in West Knoxville, which is suburbia, suburbia land. And uh, for us, it's been so pretty good. Just figuring out how to take care of our neighbors. Like Terry said, it, it was spring break for us this last week. So that kind of took the pressure off of how do we homeschool our kids? Uh, how do we, you know, what, what's going to, What's education going to look like? Now we have to think, start thinking about it the next week because uh, in our area, school is canceled for at least three weeks. Um, so we have to think about how do, we, how do we do that? But yeah, so it's my wife and I've got three girls, a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 7-year-old. I think the hardest hit has been my wife. Um, you know, she's, 
she thrives under having a plan, how she's going to, you know, do the family, how she's going to do life stuff. And this just threw everything out the window. Um, and it's just, you know, for someone who loves plans, this is stress city, right? Like you just, uh, what do you, how do you, how do you navigate this? And so we rallied the troops. We said, let's just kind of spend this week, uh, as a family, I had work stuff I had to get done. My girls got to hang out, enjoy as much of spring break as they could. Um, but then how do we take care of our neighborhood, our neighbors? And so we've been doing that, just saying, let's take care of the immediate context right here. Um, and Knoxville, Knoxville's not, as of right now, I think it's probably good to declare that we're recording this on, Mar- on Saturday, March 21st. Um, so this could completely change by the time it hits the uh, interwebs. But right now, Knoxville's not been hit that hard. It's been okay. Um, and, you know, we're starting to see cases and you're starting to see people just shut it down. Uh, but again, like, like Terry said, I see a lot of people out and around, um, been out several times. The traffic has definitely not let up. <laughs> um, people aren't gathering in large mass, but, you know, there's people out still doing things um, and tons of people out walking around, uh, you know, hanging out, trying to figure out how to be, um, how to really kind of navigate this time. Uh, as a community. So it's, it's been kind of cool. It's been kind of fun to see it, uh, to kind of see what people are doing. But definitely you have the low-lying levels of stress and how people kind of approach this situation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think here in the Springs, it's uh, Colorado Springs, it's a little, it's a little bit similar to, to some of what you guys are saying. Um, I mean, Colorado Springs is kind of a, kind of a little bit of a weird vibey a little town, very different than Denver. Uh, a lot of cool restaurants and coffee shops and, and things like that. And so a lot of socialization takes place at in third places, you know, um, and like, you know, our shop, uh, that we have here at third space coffee, um, you know, we've been pushed to do, to go drinks and, um, DoorDash and that kind of thing. And so it's so weird to walk into our space, which is normally just full of people congregating and it be um, kind of empty, you know? And so we very much feel like we're off mission uh, because our, our whole thing was to curate a space for community involvement. And now we're um, doing business, you know, we're selling what we can to kind of, kind of stay afloat. But it, you know, it has, um, it has made community in some really cool ways because we have people coming out of the woodwork, you know, to, to buy product from us and do things like that. And they, and they follow up their purchases with, we really want to see you guys, you know, make it through this. And so our family has really felt that and been, been really, really touched. It, it uh, brings my wife to tears, you know, anytime. I tell her a story, you know, that, um, you know, someone did a huge tip for employees or someone, um, you know, bought a bunch of bags of coffee just to help support us or things like that. And, um, uh, you know, for us personally and our family, we're very much, um, kind of staying inside mostly except for me. Um, cause I'm here at the shop or at our church community um, doing things, but my wife's trying to stay inside and my daughter's there and my son will, um, he, he is there most of the time, but sometimes he's hitting a park or walking or, or something like that. Cause he's like me, he can't stand to stay inside 
uh, for too long. Um, one thing I did notice that's been really interesting is we live, our, our house is right downtown. And so um, we're about four or five blocks from city center. And so there's a lot of people that walk uh, down our neighborhood and um, there are, there are more and more people that are saying hello, I think, um, which is hmm. interesting. Cause like I used yeah. to be able to, like I enjoy a cigar at night, you know, probably three, four times a week. And, I'll sit out there on the porch and people will walk by. And if people were in conversation before they might just walk by and I would, and I wouldn't interrupt them if they're talking to each other. And what I've noticed is that when people see me, they'll stop what they're doing and say, Hey, how you doing? And how are things going? And so it's kind of a signal to me that people are missing close social interaction. And so they're, at least in our neighborhood, they're taking the time to, um, to say hello and make eye contact and make life on life contact which which says something good to me, you know, which is that, um, uh, uh, people want to be with each other, you know, in general. So, um, so yeah, but it's definitely a new rhythm of life. Um, just very, very different. I feel, I feel like I'm living in the middle of a movie a little bit. Um, you know, and you can think about all the, you know, zombie movies or contagion or outbreak or all those kind of things. And I, and I feel like we're kind of living the script of something like that, which is just, you know, it's a little bit, it's a little bit surreal. Um, and I can remember, I'm old enough to remember like when AIDS hit, you know, uh, came out or when Spanish flu, uh, which, you know, came out and it was considered, it was a pandemic also. Uh, they weren't, we didn't react quite the same way, but um, this seems like it's exponential in response. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not a medical person, so I don't know, um, you know, the differences in all of those, but as far as the response, this is pretty, um, this is pretty earth shattering, you know, to, um, uh, to all of us. So, well, let me, let me kind of shift us and just kind of widen the circle a little bit. All of us are involved in, um, church communities. And it's interesting because we use that word a lot. Like I use that word a lot, like my church community, or we'll use the word congregation, which the root of that word, that very word is to congregate, is to come together. And we obviously live in a country where church is kind of defined, uh, unfortunately, is the, the weight of it has been defined as coming together, which we all agree is part of that. But how is your, how is your church community, how are you, how are you seeing your church community react? Um, kind of this first phase, you know, cause it's all, it all kind of hit us really hard last week and everyone's just trying to figure out how to keep up right now. So um, Alan, what are you guys at the at crossings in Knoxville? Uh, what are you doing and uh, what are some of the things you're talking about as we go through this? Yeah. So, uh, what we did is, uh, you know, obviously um, our lead pastor, Mark Nelson, got together with our leaders, you know, uh, Wednesday, Wednesday was the March, whatever that was, 11th. So when everything kind of hit the fan. And so that Thursday, he got together with everybody and our leader said, hey, we're shutting it down. So for the next two weeks, at least we're going to shut it down. 
which was actually preemptive in this area. And it kind of surprised a lot of us. We thought at that time, we thought, oh, no big deal. We'll still be able to meet, you know, uh, we'll kind of do it. But we, we shut it down. So the staff kind of scrambled, said, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to look at this? And our, our leadership was like, hey, you know, we should probably do the whole live stream thing. Um, neither here nor there, but we just kind of said, that doesn't feel like us. One, we didn't have the equipment for it. We are like, we just, we just, that's not, that's not who we are as a community. So we ended up just for our people at the front end, we put together um, a video of, you know, here's like um, some of us on staff doing, you know, like here's some prayers, here's a teaching, here's, you know, some encouragement, here's some, hey, this is what's going on with us as a community, um, you know, things like that. And then we hit, sent a handout uh, with it that had a liturgy on it, you know, prayers and here's some worship songs you could listen to things like that. It's like, oh, okay. So we kind of stumbled into that. And it's so far, it's been a good rhythm for us. We're doing that again for tomorrow. Tomorrow's the 22nd. Um, and for right now, for the foreseeable future, that's what we're doing for our community as a whole. But I think the biggest thing for us was making sure we're touching base with everybody. So as a staff, the first thing we did uh, was sit down and go, hey, who are the vulnerable among us? Uh, and then we kind of said, you know, who are, who are our medical professionals who are on the front lines of this thing? And let's reach out to them, how they do it, how their family's doing. Um, we said, who are the, the elderly in this? Are they okay? Who are singles who may be alone in this time? Um, and just basically we kind of created this list of all the people that we felt we need to pastorally check in with, you know? And so we've been going about doing that and saying, what's going on? Oh, these people are sick. How do we care for them? How do we, how do we kind of rally the community as a whole? around everybody and then really if you think about it um so i i think uh a lot of apostolically um you know like like and what on the strength finders one of my um my two top strength finders are strategic and futurist so i'm always thinking down the line uh you know that way i'm always thinking what's coming up and i'm thinking man this is a huge pivot point for us as a culture and so i feel like right now slowly trying to lay the groundwork for what could we be become as the church? You know, what could this, this look like? And as we are forced to not gather on a Sunday, how do we kind of receive that as a blessing and say, what does this look like? Now, obviously you have like what's going on now, um, these next several weeks and you've got long-term, like what is the future going to look like? Nobody knows. And everybody's trying to guess, everybody's trying to figure it out, but we're trying to say, Hey, what does it look like for us to, um, lay some groundwork now for what we could become in the future, not trying to force it, not trying to predict it, but at least having some thoughts and prayer, some intentionality towards it. Um, so, I mean, that's got, kind of in a nutshell, that's like the big stuff that we've been doing now. Um, and obviously this is an ongoing thing. Like the trick is uh, everybody's been saying, you know, uh, as far as a past, I never took this class in, in, uh, in my university. I never took how to pastor people through a pandemic. I must've skipped it or it wasn't on the yeah. curriculum. And so as everybody's making it up, everybody's trying to figure out how to do this thing. So one, we're going to make mistakes. Um, two, there's just going to have to be a lot of grace given. Uh, and three, I think it's like, we're just going to have to try new things and just see what works. And okay. Yeah. Well, this may work for now. It may, may not work long-term, but we're just going to try different things and see what happens. Yeah. What about you, Terry? I know you're, you're, you work with a lot of different churches and in kind of networks. So what are you, what are you hearing, feeling, how are they kind of dealing with the, the community aspect of this? Yeah. I work with a wide, wide variety of churches. And so 
the neighborhood church collective, which is the, the church that I, I planted 11 years ago, um, were actually designed pretty well for something like this. Yeah. And so for us, um, it's a very natural rhythm for us to take two or three weeks off at a time and practice Sabbath and rest and reflection and be a little more contemplative. That's, that's our, our role for that. So it almost feels like summer break came early. Um, now when we stretch into week six, seven, and eight, that, that is going to feel different. Um, because I don't think we've gone more than three weeks without gathering. And so, um, so we, we haven't really kind of felt that yet. This past week was, it was a very easy way to kind of pivot and even coming, coming into this week. And it just, it just feels like it's summer where we are a little more scattered. We're a little more in our own neighborhoods and things like that. Now, the, some of the churches I'm working with, uh, and they're wrestling with a, a wide variety of different issues. We have uh, just a great friend and pastor here in town, uh, Zach uh, Lambert at Restore Austin. They, you know, they they have an office set up where they've basically they've created a uh, a studio where they've got all the the cameras and everything, the backdrop and all that, and basically they've super generously just offered, Hey, any church that wants to come in and, and do a recording uh, for this weekend that they'll, they'll help them. And they're doing that for free and just being real generous in that. So we've, we've got several churches that are moving that direction where they're trying to do the pre-recorded Sunday experience. And then they'll just stream it uh, on Sunday and make that available to their people. Um, and then we've got some churches that have uh, that have been streaming for, for years uh, in addition to what they do on a Sunday morning. And I think some of them are discovering that the stream itself is, it's great week one, maybe week two. It's a little novel. You know, I saw the amount of bare feet PJ pant uh, I met church <laughs> posts on Facebook this past week was a little disturbing, but you know, yeah. guys do you. Um, I think the novelty is going to wear off if this thing does go eight weeks. And so uh, I think the church is going to be forced. We're, we're, we're going to be, it, 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 we're going to be forced to really engage people. Like how are, yeah. how are we connecting with people? And so I think there are some strategies and I've got some churches that are a little more forward thinking around that and that we're kind of coming up with some strategies of what that looks like. Like, how do you, how do you utilize some things where people can, not just simply listen to a sermon or listen to some teaching right. like they would on a Sunday morning and then just walk away and, and like have it rattle in their head. But in these times where there's not a ton of conversations happening out there, um, man, just the need for dialogue and conversations around ideas and thoughts and how people are feeling. And so uh, I've got some churches who are utilizing different rhythms and practices uh, as they kind of gather in small little clusters uh, online. And, and some are even trying to, you know, in Austin, we have the 10 person band. So they're like, Hey, if you can get in, fa you know, families or a couple families as safe as possible, you know, mm -hmm. do all the things that are necessary to do it. But how are they, how are they wrestling with things? And so utilizing some things, like some of the things I've been using to, to encourage people to use are Gareth Higgins. He has some just fantastic discussion questions around, you know, yeah. really like how things are going. And some of those questions are just, man, they're so profound and, and really helpful to be asking and wrestling with today. Uh, kind of as we kind of walk through all of this. And so, uh, and then, you know, pushing people into 
um, natural rhythms of mission. You know, uh, Ryan Hairston said the other day uh, that uh, our second and third places have been removed to us and we're forced yeah. to live in the first place, you know, kind of in our neighborhood where we live. And so right. uh, not being a jerk, not doing the door to door coughing as you sell your, uh, you know, do your spiel, but it is more like, how, how can I love my neighbors? Like, yeah. is there anyone elderly on the block that I can be mindful of? Uh, sure. Who can I send a text to? Who can I, who can I call? Uh, we, I've got a buddy around the corner, Rob, who's just, I mean, he was just deathly ill. He's just really, really feeling it. And, you know, we had a couple neighbors. It's like, does he have coronavirus? And I'm like, no, Rob doesn't have coronavirus. He's okay. He's just, he's got the flu, you know? And yeah. so just navigating, helping, helping people deal with fear. Uh, yeah. you know, we had Dan White on the pod a couple, a couple weeks ago. And it yeah. was one of the things where it's like this, this fear is so stinking. We're susceptible to it. And so one of the biggest ways I can bless my neighborhood is just right. helping people, you know, not buy into that fear. Um, and you can even do it virtually next door, Facebook groups and all that for our neighborhood. You know, there are people that are just itching to, to, you know, get their pound of flesh. And so just helping people, yeah. you know, let some of that just kind of fade away and stay focused on the positive and, you know, encouraging people, sharing stories of, you know, beating your kid in Mario Kart, you know. Uh, I'm glad you finished that sentence, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't beat your kids. I know it's stressful. Don't beat guys, your, we, let us <laughs> say it forwards. Please do not beat your children. <laughs> yeah, don't listen to Terry. Um, yeah, I, I was listening to, actually listening to a psychologist being interviewed on uh, CNN on the drive to the, my shop this morning. And he was saying, they, the segment was on how do we deal with the fear of this? And he was actually saying that he is more, he was, he is more worried about the fear mm. response than he is the coronavirus at this sure. point. Yeah. Uh, because as we do things like shut down businesses and unemployment happens and all these things that we've never navigated, um, you know, um, people's fear level just goes through the roof and to make it worse they're told to stay inside their house. And so they can't get outside. They can't socialize. They can't go to a movie. They can't go have a drink, you know, they, you know, whatever it is. And so this whole idea of, uh, I have been thinking about like, how do you, um, and I, and I'll talk about our church here in just a second, but how do you bring Shalom peace, which is one of these things, you know, sometimes you, we talk about how do you carry that to your neighborhood? Yeah. So how do you be a faithful presence uh, of, of peace and um, humanity and incarnation in your neighborhood? And so, yeah, that has been that, that stuff you're saying, Terry, just really resonates with where, where I've been, um, you know, at, at our church, um, the, the church that I have a staff position on, it's, it's really interesting because I'm the pastor of missional culture is the title that they've given me. And my job is to basically, um, you know, kind of get this idea of, of living a missional lifestyle, um, being outward focused in your faith, um, not giving up gathering, but also including uh, you know, loving your neighbor and, and living your life outside of the church, your Christian life. That's my job is to kind of get people thinking like that. Well, we've been slowly shifting that and we were like, uh, we have traction like that has started 
we've started seeing that in a church of a thousand, you know, 800 adults and 200 kids. Um, and so that's, that has been really, really exciting to see that it kind of taken hold. And then all of a sudden everyone is pushed into that deep end. So it's almost like everyone was sl- swimming to the deep end really slowly. And then all of a sudden we, we moved the rope, you know, <laughs> it's like, guess what? You're in the deep end. And, um, you know, which isn't a terrible thing, but we still have questions because we have, we have a building. Um, we have a charter school that meets in the building, but now the charter school can't meet in the building. And how do we help them um, with their financial pieces of that, which affect our financial pieces of that. And then, you know, in churches that have buildings and staff and things like that, it's just a reality. And so, you know, we're, you know, we are doing the live stream thing right now, but we stripped away the full band and put, we basically set up a living room on our stage and we did it on the stage just because we have lights that point on the stage. And, um, you know, we're doing acoustic worship and really short messages and things like that. Um, I, you know, one of the things that I think we're going to try this next week is we're doing these 10 minute check-ins on Facebook, um, where the whole community can kind of, um, log into a Facebook live and one of our pastors is talking and it's just kind of a check-in. We've set up a, a webinar studio in one of the kids rooms that, it's going to be used to connect with students, one that's going to be used to connect with kids, parents and kids so that they can still uh, kind of gather in their home and engage some scripture and community and see some of the leaders and the faces that have helped them curate their faith journey, you know, which is important. It's like, what are my leaders are doing? You know, what, what are they saying? And uh, so there's some realities to, um, the hierarchy of I belong to a church, you know, that we're having to deal with. And then we're trying to figure out, okay, so how do we, how do we live as a scattered church that it's more scattered now than it is gathered. And, uh, that's not a bad thing for a big church, um, to wrestle with. Um, and then, you know, just as someone who, who curates some missional discussions and, and things like that around Colorado Springs. I think there are some people that are very equipped. This feels really natural to them, kind of like you, Terry. And then there are some people that are just wondering, how do I deal with this? You know, what, what do I do? And, um, I know, um, in a couple of weeks, we're going to host a, we're going to try to host kind of a webinar type, login thing with Forge America for pastors and church leaders and people that are trying to figure this out where we can just like share ideas and share where we are and kind of what are some best practices. And, um, so, I mean, if you're listening to this and you'd like to be part of that, I'd, you know, I'd encourage you to hit the website and be sure you connect, um, on the website to forgeamerica.com and you'll get, you'll get an email about that. But, you know, there's some realities of, we're a big church. So what do we do? Um, or, you know, we're the, the, the thing that I've heard that's the hardest is our small churches that don't have technology. And, um, I heard of, um, 
I was, I went into noodles and got uh, lunch to go the other day and a gal recognized me and she said, yeah, my mom's, I go to my mom's church and they don't have like any technology or anything. And so they're just not meeting. I mean, and once in a while they'll send an email because they just don't think that way. And so this idea of, well, we have technology. So if you're a church, we'll help you do that. Um, I know Mark Demas, um, he's had a bunch of posts about that. So they're, they're offering their stage is all set up as a TV studio. And so businesses can use it and churches can use it and um, all these different things. So um, it's an interesting time for church structures, um, which have um, so much relied on getting together um, and we haven't done a great job of discipling people in just what are your personal faith rhythms? Like, um, you know, that question that it gets posed every once in a while, if your church had to close its doors would people, would the community yeah. know, which that's a great question. But right now we're faced with, if your church had to close its doors, would your church notice? You know, and yeah, the, good. the funny thing is, well, not funny. The interesting thing is, is that people can't just go down the street to another church, right? It's like <laughs> if pulpit rock just like goes out of business, it's not like, oh, okay, well, I'll just go down the street and find another church and see what their worship and their teaching and everything is like, because you can't do that. And so church shopping has stopped except maybe online, like you know, who's got the, who's got the best content this week. But, um, what do you guys think? Um, I mean, I, I'm kind of asking, I don't know if you guys have like a profit gift in you at all, but it's like, cause I think apostolically too, I'm, I'm, I sit around thinking, okay, what can we create that helps, um, curate, the community aspect of the ecclesia, you know, of Colorado Springs. It's like besides Facebook live and whatever. I mean, do you guys, do you guys have a picture of what it might could look like um, in a couple of weeks? Yeah. I mean, that, that's the trick too, is, is thinking through the next couple of weeks, however long this season will be, whether it's a couple of weeks, whether it's eight weeks, whatever. And then long-term uh, one of the things I forgot to mention that we're doing here uh, and it circles back to some of the stuff you guys are talking about in this conversation is uh, I mean, the first thing we did as a staff is we went and bought a subscription to zoom. Uh, zoom is making a killing right now. <laughs> like uh, yeah. So we bought that. So this is how we're doing our meetings, but then we're also, we've created a weekly rhythm for our community of a morning prayer, uh, like, a, like a dinner time, and then an evening prayer. And then somebody on staff is just going to curate those where we get on Zoom, here's a link, and then we just kind of curate it. And that prayer can be like literally, okay, let's pray, let's do all these things. But it could also be our children's pastor is going to read a story at dinner time. You know, she's just going to read that. She's already done that on Facebook a couple of times. Uh, it's going to be um, one of our staff members uh, threw out an article and she's like, Hey, I'd love for everybody to discuss this. And we're going to discuss this during that time. But basically, and it's not, you don't have to be there all the time, but, but creating a liturgy through the week that says, Hey, we're going to be there for you. Um, like let's, let's come together. And if the only way we could do it right now is virtually, let's do that. 
Yeah. Terry, what about you? I mean, you, you, you kind of exist in a space that's in a, innovative and scat, more scattered than gathered. Um, any thoughts on um, where this goes, even over the next couple of weeks? I mean, because you made the comment, which I agree with, that, you know, I mean, people, churches got hit the first week. The obvious response for churches that can is let's live stream. And, you know, the first week we had uh, like 100 people in each service, and then we kind of live streamed, you know, um, not very well. You know, the second week we're going to more couches and living rooms set up and acoustic and going to live stream again. But it's like how many weeks um, can this go out there? And I know some churches that are doing like full, full band lights, fog machines and filming all that. So uh, where, where do you think this goes? Yeah, that, that is a fantastic question. Um, I you. think <laughs> I think one of the one of the, the the issues and problems, and this is something that I've thought about for years, uh, that isn't uh, related to the pandemic, but you know, the house church movement—it's uh, been a movement that's been around for a very long time. And one of its biggest, uh, there are a couple things that you know every movement has its issues. Um, one of the issues that the house church movement really suffers from is the idea of what is a house church? What does it look like? And so oftentimes when you, you see a house church starting, um, they basically take what a Sunday morning looks like and they just shrink it down to fit inside of a house. So they'll try, I've seen house churches set up, you know, music and audio and they'll do like, you know, a little lip, lip living room type session. And then someone will stand up and preach. And I mean, it's like, this is what you would get on a Sunday morning at a church, uh, but it's just not as good. <laughs> and yeah. so that, 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 that typically, and then there are house churches that evolve and innovate and become something a little bit better and more dialogue centric. And so I, I think that's what we're seeing right now online, where you're seeing churches was like, well, let's just do what we always do and just shrink it uh, or package it video form and i was having a conversation with a guy uh yesterday and i was telling him you know i said there's a reason why joel osteen when he does his tv stuff it's only like 20 minutes long you know because no one wants to sit and watch an hour and 15 minutes of a worship service it's brutal i mean uh and let's be honest it's pretty brutal for some people who go (laughs) go sit through those things in person (laughs) i mean let me, can I just interject something? Cause this is really true. And I was thinking about this. I don't know if y'all watch Jules Holland at all. Mm-hmm. Jules, Jules has a, uh, it, it's a BBC show. It's on cable. And it's kind of like, if you remember like the midnight special or something like that, I mean, he, so he has great bands. Like he'll have like a brand new artist. It's in England. It's in London. He'll have a brand new artist. And then the very next one will be Elton John. And then the very next one, you know, and so he'll have like eight artists and they just go around the room and perform songs. And so I love watching this thing. And the truth is that's about as good as you could get with a music experience on a TV screen is Jules Holland, I think. And because you feel right there, it's a very small studio and you feel right there. And I flip around like I don't. I don't watch the whole thing. I sit there and kind of flip back to see if there's an artist that I want to watch. And so to think, okay, we're going to sit here and, and watch 50 minutes of 
worship. And I know I sound a little critical and I, and I don't mean no. to, but it's just like, we, we've got to innovate a little bit more than yeah. uh, just package what we do on, on Sunday into a video. It's, it's the reality. I mean, yeah. my, I mean, that's just, we're, that's how we're trained. I mean, it's the lens that we see the world and this is not a church lens. This is a entertainment lens. I mean, you watch TV and if a commercial or something gets slow, what do you do? You pull your phone up. It was like, you know, we're watching something and it was like, oh man, that dude looks familiar. What have I seen him in? IMDb. And you know, it's kind of a slow part. And so we're always, you know, you're on the radio and oh, this song's not as good. So you switch to the next station. And so I think we have to be mindful that if we begin to lean so heavily on these forms of communication for the church, people are going to approach that the same way they approach any other video that they're watching. And so I've seen pastors like send out um, little documents that says, here's how you should watch the, the simulcast, you know, and basically telling them, turn your phone off uh, or uh, open up to the Bible app, but don't, don't get tempted to, to search or look for other things and basically telling them, don't, you know, focus in, put your attention here and all that. And yeah. that's good. Um, but I do think moving forward, um, it's not going to last. I, I think we do have to get innovative. And here's the, here's the thing that's sticky. We have no idea how long it's going to be before we can gather in small groups again. I mean, I imagine that's going to happen before just a full on, okay, everything's back to normal. Uh, I would imagine it, we're, it's going to, it's just as we kind of went into this where it was like, hey, no groups bigger than 250, no groups yeah. bigger than 50. Now it's 10. Yeah. Now in some spaces, it's like zero, right? You only stay in your home. Don't talk to anyone. I think, I could be wrong, but I think it's going to, um, as we go back to our normal or the new normal, because it will be a new normal, I would imagine at a very, much slower pace, we're going to go back to that where it's like, hey, it's okay to be in small groups of 10. It's okay to be in small groups of 25, 50, right, right. move up. And so I think that's where the church, as we sit in this time where we're in isolation, um, and it makes me, it makes me, uh, think about the, and, and Bradford, you can help with this cause you're, you, you're smarter. Um, the, the Celtic monks, what century was that 11th century monks where they would really, uh, lean into the cell and the coracle. Yeah. Yeah. So when they re-Christianized, uh, basically Europe, when they came out yeah. and re-Christianized okay. Europe. Yeah. So yeah. you got St. Patrick, St. Columbo, those guys. Yeah, I can't. I never can remember what century it is. We're gonna say 11th century, but <laughs> whenever those cats rolled around uh, the greater Western Eastern Europe, but this idea of the coracle and the cell, you know, and and, and the coracle is a small little boat that these guys, these monks, these these you know missionaries would get in and just push away from the shore and wherever the current took them, they felt this is this was the spirit prompting them to be on mission in these spaces. But before they would ever get in the coracle, before they would ever get in the boat, they would spend time in the cell. And a cell was just a circular, you know, thatched roof, little uh, dwelling, you know, enough for one person. And it's in that isolation, it's in that space that they would practice the Sabbath. That's where they would practice the, 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 the contemplative aspect of their spirituality, their spiritual formation. Um, and, and really for us and in our community, I'm, I'm just encouraging people 
that, man, we, this is a gift from God. I don't think this is God's will. Um, I'm that guy. I don't think God's will is for a pandemic to hit the earth. So if people using that narrative, I would disagree with, but in light of this pandemic, in light of what's going on, the gift that we have from God is that we can use this as a space for Sabbath. We can use this for a space of contemplative um, spiritual formation where we can do the necessary things of prayer and, and, oh man, like practicing self-control when it comes to eating, (laughs) practicing self-control when it comes to exercise. And because it's tough, man, it's tough when you're just sitting around and, oh, what can I graze on today? And so practicing those sorts of things in this time, because it could be four weeks, eight weeks before those first groupings come. I think we have to lean in there. And I think in the next four to eight weeks, if we really do lean into this, I think, I think there'll be some great innovative ideas that are birthed out of this. Yeah. Um, I do too. Yeah. I, you know, um, I, I don't know, maybe, um, some tools that, you guys might be thinking of or that you have thought of and, and maybe, maybe it hasn't hit you yet. One of, one of the tools that I've been thinking about, how can I use it? Um, I don't know if this is in every state. Do y'all have next door? Yeah. Online. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, I stumbled across next door when we lived out in the suburbs and it was pretty helpful out there. And then as soon as we moved downtown, um, one of the first things I did was sign up and log into next door for our zip code or our neighborhood, uh, however that works. And our coffee shop is part of next door here in our area of the, of the town. But next door is, is kind of this gathered community online because what you see on next door and, and if you haven't gotten on it, go to, I think it's nextdoor.com you should be able to find a next door for your area in the city and you should definitely be part of it because it's everything from, Hey, I need a plumber. Who knows a good plumber to, um, uh, look at the picture of these two dogs because they just walked up to m- on my porch and they obviously belong to someone or, um, or I've seen posts where like a neighbor needs help. You know, I can't get this fixed in my backyard or whatever. And so people will, will help. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think how can I utilize next door? Cause it's a lot more community than Facebook and it's very dialed into my neighborhood. How can we use next door to take care of our neighbors? And so, um, that's actually on my list of things to sit, contemplate and, and start, um, you know, do a post and, and try to utilize, um, today. The other one is, and we live downtown, so it may be a little bit different in the burbs, but, um, everyone in our neighborhood has like, um, a little picket fence around their front of their house, or they have, um, or like our house is kind of set up off the street. So there's a rock wall with some stairs that go up. Um, so it's kind of an urban, smaller houses, urban, setting. And, um, you know, I, I talked to Kitty about this. It's like, man, what about writing some encouraging notes and take a walk and find a rock and leave a note at each place, you know? And it's just like, Hey, I'm one of your neighbors and just want to let you know that, uh, I walked by your house and prayed for you today or whatever, you know, it's whatever you want to do. It doesn't even have to be faith-based, but to just tell people, Hey, we are a neighborhood. 
and we're, we're here together, you know? Um, and so starting to practice some presence like that, you know, that note may, might actually be a tool of Shalom, kind of like what we were talking about is it, it helps someone take a breath and just breathe easier. You know, uh, are there any like little tools like that, that come to mind that, that you guys can think of that people might start exper- experimenting with a little bit? I would, so for me, I would take that conversation just a step backwards real quick. Cause I would say one of the biggest tools for me has been the collaboration. Um, mm-hmm. So like one of the first things we did was start to reach out to sister uh, faith communities, sister churches and, and say, and, and, and a lot of them were like maybe smaller, you know, well across the spectrum, but didn't just say, how, how are we doing this? And let's continue this collaboration. So, you know, as, as far as a tool goes, Zoom was a great tool for us. And so we actually spent time teaching other pastors how to use that tool. Like here it is. So they, they went out and bought it. You know, they're like, yeah. all right, we're going to get this for our committee. We're going to use it this way. Oh, that's a great idea. I didn't think about using it this way. Um, and so I think, I think just creating space for collaboration and just the collective genius in, in whatever space you create. Right. Um, so for our, um, my forge Knoxville, uh, Facebook page, um, usually I'm just publishing like, here's a cool article. Here's a thought, here's whatever. Well, I, I, I kind of just wrote something about, uh, recently just off the top of my head. I was like, wait a minute, they're saying we have to stay in our neighborhoods. It's like, we're designed for this. And then the first post was, was somebody who said, well, this is what we're doing. And it was like little gift bags of like recipes and things to do with your kids and they're just distributing it to the neighborhood. And I was like, that's a great idea. I would never have thought of that. And so I put it out there. What are some of the other ideas? And if I don't get anything, I'm going to start pushing. I'm going to start creating a space and saying, hey, how do we create a space to actually share some tools, share some ideas uh, and things like this? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I would say the the best tool that we're seeing in our neighborhood, uh, it's old school, baby. It's sidewalk chalk. And so taking sidewalk chalk and as you walk the neighborhood, just scribble, you know, little encouraging notes in the driveways uh, of of your neighbors and um, seeing kids just, you know, plop down in front of a house and just you draw little pictures and then you move on to the next. It's It's almost like a... A, a bar crawl where you're just sitting house to house, you know, and you know, especially toddlers that stumble about the same rate. But you know, it's it's fun to see neighbors doing things like that, where it's just like leaving those little notes and those little pictures and reminding of the humanity in the neighborhood. It's really good. Yeah, that I mean, that's I'm sitting here thinking out loud, talking out loud, but it's like this this idea of words of peace. You know, I wonder what it, what it would be like to just you know walk. I mean, in our neighborhood, we have sidewalks everywhere. You just walk the sidewalk and maybe at every corner you figure out a word of peace, you know, not, not a Christian word, but just a word that anyone of any faith, just a, a, you know, an Imago day, a human being would read it and it would just give them a little bit of a sigh of relief yeah. Uh, that someone's noticing and maybe you just like scatter those throughout your neighborhood because people are spending more time walking their dogs and just walk, you know, getting outside a little bit rather than going to the coffee shop or wherever. Um, but that's a great idea. I'm going to stick that in my, my bucket and steal it, man. I got to go buy some sidewalk chalk. I shouldn't use, spray, I shouldn't use spray paint, right? That's, no, no. that's actually <laughs> defacing. That's a com- yeah. That's actually a completely different uh, art form. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So, okay. 
I would throw this out there. Um, and this is more, uh, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but this is more of a sticking point for me. Uh, it, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but the response from, you know, I, I get on social media, I get on Twitter and you follow a lot of the, the big names, right? You know, whoever yeah. they are or the big organizations. And it was amazing to me that right out of the gate, everybody's got a way to help you through it and fix it here. We're going to tell you how to, how to pastor your church through crisis. Now I understand the heart and the intention through it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, let's be collaborative. Let's do this thing. But there's almost that American entrepreneurial spirit that says, Hey, let's, we're going to fix this and we're going to do all the right things. And here's all the, the A, B's and C's that you should do. And I kind of got to the space where I was like, I, I don't want to hear that right now. I need, what I really needed to do was sit and lament Yeah. because society is changing. I, and the only other time I could think about was, you know, after 9-11, I remember that day right after the second tower went down, I said, the world just changed. I was 26, I think, when that all went down. And I was like, the world has changed and it'll never go back. Uh, that's the event we're in now. And I feel like we need to lament it a little bit. Yeah. I think we need to receive it as well as a blessing uh, because I think we can say, you know what? I, I, I am excited about how this is going to form the church and, and where it's going to take us. Totally excited. I think it, I think it's going to um, purify us as a mute, a movement. It has to purify us as a movement yeah. So yeah. to receive it as a blessing. And I'm with you, Terry. I don't think like God's like, I'm going to do this thing to you. Um, but how do we, how do we lament what's going on uh, yeah. right now? I, I'll give you an example. My mom, right before all of this hit the fan, my mom, uh, her kidneys shut down. She's, mm. you know, almost 70 years old because kidneys are completely shot now. Dialysis three days a week and then a pandemic hits. And so she's having to deal with all of this, right? Yeah. How yeah. do we lament? I can't just be like, Oh mom, it's going to be okay. And, and Oh, here's a pandemic. Everything's going to be fine to sit in the grief, to sit in the, oh man, everything's just changed, to let it go well, and then give the space to say, all right, what are we going to do next? Um, how are we yeah. going to move forward from here? Yeah, yeah, that's, it's, yeah, go ahead, Terry. <clears throat> yeah, it's funny you say that because e even using the language of 9-11, of, uh, and man, please do not hear what, what, what we're not saying. We're not comparing this to 9-11 and, and um, those sorts of tragedies, you know, but uh, just the response and how you do have to pivot, you do have to change. But using that, that, I, that example, um, when you were talking, the first thing I thought of was it's probably more like, you know, a couple months into world war two for America where, where we had, there was forced, you know, restrictions. You know, I remember when nine 11 hit there, there wasn't, I mean, the day-to-day -day of life didn't change too much. You still went to work. You could still swing by, you know, the, the Burger King, you could still go to the gym, you could still do all of those kinds of things. But, um, but this is really forcing us to slow down and, and, and you could easily distract yourself, you know, at when, when nine 11 was going there, you could, you could mask the anger and the pain that was boiling up inside of us. But during world war two, you know, you kind of study the kind of American, what, what was going on here stateside during all of that, where, people had to, they had to have restrictions. They had to pull back. They had to sacrifice some of those things where life wasn't so normal, where it's like you were forced to live in a new way. And I think that's kind of where we're at as we're forced to live in this new way. Um, and then add that to our modern age of, we want to microwave everything, yeah. you know, yeah. it's like, Oh, I lament it. 
you know, I, I gave it five minutes, but now I'm, I'm on to yeah. not feeling that. Um, and so, man, I just, I thank you for sharing that, Alan, because I yeah, think, I think that good. is a piece that we do need to lean into where we cannot microwave our feelings around this. We can't just like, let's just I'll give it five minutes and then let's be done. But man, we need to put this in the, in the crock pot. We need to let this thing go slow and simmer and put it on a smoker and, you know, get a drink and sit out on the back porch and just look at the sky because it's going to take some time because I think there will be some dangerous, you know, results. If, if we do really just microwave this, if we don't really take the time to lament, if we don't take the time to sit and think the implications and, and feel those feelings, um, those are some of the conversations I've had with my daughter in the last week. It's just tell me how you're feeling. And she's quick to say, Oh, I'm good. You know? Oh yeah. You know, you know, this is what we did today. It's, and she's always speaking of the distractions, right? Mm -hmm. We played Mario Kart or we, uh, played a game or we did this or we, whatever. And, and it's never like, no, no, no. Tell me, how are you feeling? Yeah. Um, yeah. and it, cause I, cause I think that's, that's that's huge that's where that's where we have to sit in so good word alan yeah that's really good and yeah when you see my uh blog post somewhere about crock pot versus microwave i'm just telling you right now i'm stealing that's <laughs> so bad that's why i love issue man all his analogies involve food i know i know but it's <laughs> it's really theater. it's so good it's so and that's good. what i'm lamenting movie theaters are closed man <laughs> i know <laughs> over here well, and like when everyone makes fun of me, when I have a movie DVD collection of over 700, you know, 800 <laughs> movies and when the internet fails, I'm going to be watching DVDs. Gonna, as long as we get electricity, I'm going to yeah, go buy you're, a generator. You're going to be gold, man. Uh, right. I did. I did think of you, Terry, because I saw some report where like uh, Comcast and Netflix and all these places were thinking about shutting well, are going from HD to SD or something like that, just so they could help bandwidth issues, you know, with everyone being home. And I was like, man, poor Terry, you know, <laughs> like watching movies. Yeah. So. I, this past week I introduced Bethany to the, uh, John Hughes films and she'd already seen like Ferris Bueller, but we did breakfast yeah. club and yeah. uh, uncle buck and great outdoors. And, yeah. uh, and even through <laughs> blues brothers in just cause we're like all at Chicago. It's like, I can't do Chicago without the blues brothers. So uh, but it's, it's funny watching the DVDs cause I don't have Blu-rays of those. Those are, oh, I've just had yeah. DVDs forever. And so yeah. we bust them out and put them on and, and she's like, what's wrong with the screen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why does it look all shaky? And well, why? it's like, well, that's we, it was. we still have, we still have a VCR in the house because of nice. uh, our foster kids, you know, and that's what we'd set up up in their room to watch these these old VCR tapes we had from the kids and stuff. And so um, you ought to what, try watching a VCR tape now. And it really shows you what you've gotten yeah. used to, you know, <laughs> what you're not used to now. Yeah. So, sure. Well, Hey, um, this has been, this has been a helpful conversation for me personally. And I've sat, I sat here and like jotted down some ideas and I'm going by Walmart to get some chalk um, sidewalk chalk today and uh, going to play with that. But, um, you know, I, I want everyone that's kind of listening to this to know that, you know, at Forge America, we're, we definitely don't have the answers on how to fix all this stuff. Um, we do have thoughts about why we're missional people and why, 
um, we do the things that we do and live the way that we live. We'd love to, we'd love for you to engage that conversation with us. So this, this isn't a marketing uh, invitation as much as it is just an invitation to jump on the website and connect so that you can be part of the tribes conversation around this as well. And um, all of our hub leaders and our leaders and authors and different people that we have are all trying to navigate this. And I think best ideas and best practices come out of community and not out of just like sitting in a room by yourself with a whiteboard. So we're going to have several um, kind of invitations to online things, um, podcasts, different things going out. And so we'd love for you to connect with, with us at forgeamerica.com. There's a connect page to do that. And um, we'd love to get you in on some of these conversations. I do want to say, um, which we'll actually probably publish before we publish this podcast. But if you're listening to this podcast, go back and look for um, an interview that I'm going to do a discussion. I'm going to do with Mike Frost and Alan Hirsch this weekend. And um, we're expecting to have that live on Monday. Um, and those guys are the founders of forge. They're, they're kind of, I don't know if you want to call them grandfathers or crazy uncles of the missional movement or crazy cousins, you know, <laughs> but they are super, um, and God has graced them with an intelligence about how to be the church and how to be missional people. And so, um, I'm expecting that conversation to be super rich and deep and, um, really thick with, um, some great thinking. And so if you're listening to this podcast now, I want to encourage you to go back, um, and find that conversation in our podcast list, probably back one step and take a listen to that, um, as we'll have it up on Monday. So any final thoughts from you guys as we kind of close this down? Nope. Just stay safe and wash your extremities. Yeah, uh, that's good advice. Yeah. Hey, can uh, you be a little bit deeper than that, Terry? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll just, you know, don't panic and always carry a towel. So. <laughs> Man. Okay. So I'm going to top both of you. I, just uh, be present in your neighborhood and love your neighbors, you know, I, whatever, whatever that looks like. And, um, we're, you know, we're trying to figure that out as well. Um, but I posted, uh, I did a little post, uh, last night that the church has left the building. I mean, we've been seeing those around kind of like Elvis has left the building. Well, the church has left the building. The good part of that is the church is not a building. It's not a event. It's not an address. The church are the people. And now the church is forced to be incarnational, um, and present in its neighborhood. And so, uh, you as a Jesus follower, uh, you are the church. And so the church is now in your neighborhood. And so how do you, how do you be that? And so we just want to encourage you that in that, and we will, um, we'll see you on this podcast. We'll not see you, right? We don't see people on the podcast, but we'll catch we'll have a, yeah, it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of those words that you just kind of use, right? In language, yeah. but stay connected with us and we will see you next week. Bye, Terry. Bye, Alan. Hey, buddy, guys. All right.